Hello and welcome to Grind Forever, PNB Network's official and only uh, bi-weekly RPG discussion podcast. Uh, I am your host, Dylan Tierney, and I am joined by Bowsette aficionado and uh, editor at OKBeast.com, Ian Prichel, say hello. Listen, okay, my love for Bowsette is not strange, it's completely normal, oh, I'm not a furry, God. I promise. This is supposed to be a, like a timeless podcast series because it's not current events, and now I've just officially just stuck it right in the end of September. So, I mean, that's his life, you know. Sometimes you start your podcast wanting it to be one way, and it becomes a completely different way. Uh, and yeah, so we're going definitely going to try and pivot that into Octopath Traveler. But who would you put in uh, the Peachette Crown first? Like, who's your Octopath companion that you would put there first? Because I'm thinking. I'm thinking um, Primrose would wow. be down to fuck. I mean, I'm thinking... Nah, I think I'm going to put it on the... What's his name? Now I can't think of his name. Olberic? Uh, Olber, yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking of. Just the guy who just picks fights with random strangers. and Yeah, I think that would fit. Uh, that would fit the Peachette mold pretty well. Exactly. So that's my, that's my first person I'd go to. Gotcha, gotcha. I don't know. I, th- I feel like Cyrus would be just confused at what's going on. And like the mm-hmm. Cyrus in him would take over personality-wise. I mm-hmm. guess it's like Dragon Ball Fusion rules, where whoever, whoever has the dominant personality goes and uh, takes hold. I forgot so. that, that they had like very specific rules on like oh, this is God. how it, it, yeah. the exact way that it works. Yeah, that's why it, it's why Kabito Kai is Kabito Kai, and it's uh, why Vegito is like equal because like they're 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 like it's, a, it's an equal relationship. They both wear the pants, of course. Oh God. Um, <laughs> But, but yes, this is, this is ostensibly an Octopath Traveler episode of Grind Forever. Um, and it's a game that I've been spending a lot of time with more of late. Like, I, I put about 20 hours in around early August, and only now I've sunk in the other 20 hours. Um, and I'm starting to get, like, the real rhythm and flow of the game on a sort of late game basis. I'm starting to okay. see why this is, like, a, an 80-hour kind of game. Um, mm-hmm. be, because there's lots of areas that go even beyond like level 50, which I actually just reached level 50 mark with all my characters, or at least mm-hmm. my core team. I have noticed I am very one-sided in that I have like one optimal team, and fucking Ulberic, Therian, and Primrose are just like chilling in the bar the whole time, just getting drunk, hmm. just hanging there. Which we'll get into like the 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 nook, nooks and crannies of. of how your team kind of gets composed and whatnot, but uh, you kind of you have to start out with your first character, and I didn't know what Cyrus was going to be. Cyrus just kind of spoke to me as a character, so I chose Cyrus, and I'm like, oh, I couldn't have I couldn't have picked a better player. One, he's essentially mm-hmm. the, the the black mage uh, has a lot of different elements to cover, so he's good in those first fights where there's like very distinct weaknesses for characters. So if you didn't know. Octopath Traveler, a little background, is uh, from the Bravely Default team, a relatively new division in Square Enix's uh, repertoire. Um, when Bravely Default and Bravely Second kind of blew up, uh, they they definitely wanted to get in hot on the Nintendo Switch. And, you know, like for a big-time RPG coming in like a year after, isn't that much of a, of a wait, really? So, um, and Octopath Traveler has been one of those games that's just been on the forefront of Switch players' minds since it was announced. Because it was announced, I think, at the reveal of the Switch. It was just called Project mm-hmm. Octopath Traveler. Um, yeah. Which seems like a very silly name at the time, but I've slowly warmed up to it. So Yeah, same. Like, when I first saw the announcement, I was like, what? what is this game going to be? What could this possibly amount to? And then the game that we got 
is not as I mean there are some goofy moments, but I feel like it's very much a RPG players RPG. Like it is an old Hearts school has a bunch of weird RPG. goofy names and stuff like that. Yeah, right, right. Like and oddly enough, I see it butting heads against something like Xenoblade Chronicles Two, where like it feels it really feels like a a Splatoon like Splatfest waiting to happen is just like this kind of JRPG versus this kind of JRPG, like a mm-hmm. Xenoblade being more of a modern action RPG. While this is definitely in the vein of a Final Fantasy VI or even Chrono Trigger in terms of presentation, like just mm-hmm. going through the dungeons, I'm just like, man, this is this is straight up Chrono Trigger. Like, yeah, they, there's sure. a lot of Final Fantasy VI DNA in there, but just like you know, going around and getting the items and like you know, inventory management seems very familiar to me as somebody who played Chrono Trigger relatively recently. So, mm-hmm. for sure. But, I totally get those vibes. But yeah, it was uh, originally announced as Project Octobeth Traveler. I think everybody assumed it was going to get a different name since it was like a code name thing. But no, Octopath is like very intrinsic to the entire experience. And like literally your character's names and how they're presented in the world is spelled out Octopath, um, which mm-hmm. is very Each like... Each character's name, yeah. Yeah, like they spell out Octopath, which is a very neat touch. And uh, when the game came out, there was probably about 70,000 tweets about that. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm sure, listeners, you know this already because it was probably beaten to your head about as hard as Bowsette. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was it was an entity we'd known about for a while. I didn't really like leading up to it. Even as they released those prologues, I didn't quite care all that much because the prologues were were not super representative of what the game actually was. They were representative of what the very very early games were. Because it was limited mm-hmm. to, like, especially the, the prologue demo is three hours. You get to pick your character and do their chapter one, and then you that's kind of it. Um, you, know, you, you get it started, but, you know, it, it's not quite what the the regular flow of Octopath Traveler really is. Um, and even yeah, before that, sure. I think they had, a, they had some kind of weird, like, beta scenario or something. I forget what the, the first demo even was, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a specific character's... Um, chapter one if you will but um the game opens up in this narrative where you have these eight characters you pick your one you do their chapter and you kind of just go from there it's extremely open-ended but that definitely leads to its harshest uh criticism of a story that doesn't really connect in any meaningful way until you're like super super late in the game um these are Mm -hmm. very and and in, in a way where it seems kind of uh like noticeable even in cutscenes. I'm, I'm, for example, in one part in Ophelia's story, you're thrown in jail, uh, and it's just her, just her. Nobody else has ever acknowledged. You know, it's acknowledged in these little interludes um, in between cutscenes that, hey, you're with your your companions and your party. Like, you know, we're on this quest together, but it's just her in the jail cell, and that's it. And that's all anybody's mm-hmm. ever talking to. Like, they never acknowledge your party. It feels really inorganic. And I didn't think it was much of a problem until I reached these parts where it was super character-specific. I don't know. Did that, did that kind of stick out to you at all? Well, there, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've been seeing this argument a lot about whether it's a really unified and, and kind of, like, fleshed-out story or if it's these kind of stories that are these individual parts working together. And I feel like after, like when I first started playing the game, I completely agreed with it being disjointed and I totally understood where people were coming from. But ever since I got into like Dungeons and Dragons and those sort of stories and like tabletop games where the stories are way more segmented into character arcs that Mm -hmm. are more based off the individual, I kind of 
I guess, loosened up my criticism on the game overall. And I feel like that new gaming type of experience kind of like opened me up to a different style of story than what I was used to. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, I, I, the, where my main issues came from, not from like a broad sense of, oh, these stories are not connected. It was literally just on like a technical level of like, why is this bad guy just kind of running off things to Ophelia when everybody's supposed to be? Like, you could have just put the sprites there and like not even acknowledge them. And that would have been a little more, I guess, fleshed in or realized. It just was weird because then immediately after that, sort of uh, cutscene or what have you, you have the option to do the little character, like the characters talking to each other uh, thing, mm -hmm. where it's just, mm -hmm. it, which is also completely optional. And uh, related, Octopath Traveler cares about the story so much that you can, you actually have a spark notes uh, baked into the main like pause menu. Like if you just forget yeah, yeah. what's going on, I'm just like, man, that's, uh, that's something. All right. Because I'm really like, Ophelia's really just saying your majesty or whatever, your excellency over and over again. This is uh, not extremely compelling so far. Um, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it ended up being something pretty cool, actually. And I'll, I'll give them credit for being able to start small and ramp up. Um, but, I don't know, like, was there any was there any huge... Without being too spoilery, was there a character that you think shone above the rest when it came to, like, story? Um... That's a hard one. I haven't finished the game yet. I'm pretty deep into it. I, I would say I'm on my chapter threes of each character. Um, ah, got it. Yeah, so I feel like, obviously not too spoilery, but I feel like it really depends on the person, to be honest. Because I feel like mm. some people, like of all my RPG friends that have been really into this game, I feel like every person says somebody different. Uh, like I have a, a friend who actually does uh, stuff for us over at okbeast.com. His name is Chase Williams. And he's a huge fan of the Black Mage Cyrus. And he loves him and he loves his storyline and like the, the path that it goes down. But I'm way more uh, into Tressa than, mm. and also the Apothecary. I'm really into him as well. Good old so, Yeah. So like it's really dependent upon who you are, I think. It really doesn't matter, I think, because I think each story has its own level of depth. I think it just matters what type of characters that you're into, you know? I think that's totally fair that, like, this kind of storytelling opens itself up to, like, a lot more subjectivism versus an objectivism. Uh, like, yeah, I'm kind of digging where Ophelia stuff goes because it, it, it goes in a direction I kind of didn't expect. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's, you know, any any less or worse uh, quality than something like Cyrus's or, like, I think, who, who did I just do? I... I did Tress's uh, final ones too, so I won't divulge any of that stuff. But um, but yeah, uh, I, getting to know these characters on their kind of individual levels uh, found me kind of warming up to them up front. My like my team was largely the first four characters I got. Like, did you end up kind of doing a lot of switching around or trying to keep your all eight of your characters about equal level? So. I guess this is a mechanical thing that I didn't really understand until I played the game. But the first character that you play is the is the only character that has to stay in your party until you finish their storyline, which I thought was a little bit weird. Um, so I started with the Black Mage, and then from there I, I kind of went down towards, uh, I think, Tressa. I think it was mm -hmm. Black Mage, Cyrus, Tressa, and then afterwards I got, I think it was Ophelia, and then after Ophelia I think I got... Was it Hanit? Yeah, I think it might have been Hanit. No, I'm oh, sorry, I lied. Hanit was the last person that I got, and I went in a giant circle that was clockwise. So it was Cyrus, Tressa, uh, whoever's in the bottom right. I think it might be Oberyn. And then it's not Oberyn. It's probably them. like Therian or something. I don't know. 
Yeah, Notharian's top like left. That. Either way, I right. made sure that I did Hanet last because I really didn't like Hanet's voice. So and oh, the, I, the the way that they I, say their lines, so I was kind it's of against it. Pretty jarring, but I actually. I was so not into the voice acting that I just turned that slider all the way down, so I'm just reading text. So it was a little less ah, okay. overbearing for Hanit, I guess. Um, and I think that I, I read somewhere they intentionally, um, like, your eight characters are kind of split into, like, two groups of four very intentionally, so that you're sort of uh, incentivized to build this kind of balanced team. You know, they're not going to... And if you, if you dig a little deeper, it's like... E each character has a parallel other character where where mm -hmm. uh, Tressa is a, is a merchant and will barter and uh, buy things. Uh, Therian is a thief and will steal things. They're similar, but, you know, sort of alignment differences, if you will. Uh, yeah. Same thing Speaking with, like... Speaking of the two team parties, by the way, um, yeah. I, I didn't... I, I knew that the, the game wanted you to pair people up in a certain way, but I didn't realize that they also used the systems within the game to also reinforce that where like the travel banter which is like during the game two characters during the journey will like have a mini miniature conversation well they'll mm -hmm. where they will talk about like an event that happened or how the other person's feeling or what they're doing or the choices they're making or what have you and i was playing a hanit story i think yesterday or two days ago and uh, alfin showed up in the travel banter and i was like oh that's weird i feel like these two don't really interact that much and i don't mm -hmm. in my head i don't really see them being like partnered up and uh, they had this really heartfelt, really, like, almost romantic scene together. And I was like, wait, what? I love this. This is now my one true pairing. Like, well, Hamid and Alfin are, like, my go-to now. Um, and it's kind of cool how the, t the game kind of slowly and, like, subtly, I think, pushes characters together that you normally wouldn't think to put together. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting that they have that kind of dialogue written for, you know, that sort of specific... Uh, altercation that a lot of players might not even have together. Like, I I, I honestly don't see a lot of people messing around with Alfin um, when I just kind of did some notes on, like, who are the most popular characters, because it tend to le lean into characters like Ophelia and Cyrus just because they're pretty versatile in what they can do. Um, and we get into the job system later, we'll talk about how it kind of fills in those gaps, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's... This game has a lot of text that you may not even ever see. And that is super apparent with Cyrus because his uh, character trait that you do out of battle that every character has, um, he's able to like investigate things about people and uncover either like a sub, like a hidden quest or like an item that's hidden somewhere in town, or just find out more about a person. And there are like these lengthy paragraphs about like, well, this guy is uh, kind of you know. He stole from his brother when he was younger, and he's never quite lived it down, and he's kind of a black sheep of the family. Except expound that into, like, an entire paragraph. It's it's just funny that, like, somebody had to sit down and write all these, and I'd say most people are going to find them. Yeah, I, th I think that someone was saying right after the Jason Schreier review came out that mm -hmm. uh, I think someone's criticism was that the game didn't really have story, and then someone's response to that was, like, oh, yeah, well, what about this? And then just put, like, all of these... <laughs> small snippets from Cyrus uh, interactables, and I thought it was really interesting. They even, I, I think it was very smart, in um, I won't spoil exactly who, but in one of the stories, you're in this town that they seem kind of like drony zombies, kind of. Like, it's a very quiet, creepy town that's not doing anything, and if you investigate them as Cyrus, they literally all have the same text of, like, they're devouts, but don't have much more about them. Like, the, 
all they seem to be able to do is be like devout in faith or whatever. Um, so like it, it's cool that like they were able to sort of hint that something's amiss through like that kind of uh, character trait that's on, that only Cyrus can do, and that again, there's a pretty good chance you won't even see. Um, like I was pretty pretty intrigued by by that. So. Because uh, that's that's very much up Cyrus's alley is to kind of investigate things like that and be like, hmm, something's not quite right here. Things seem to happen to him that just lead him in those kind of directions, and I love him for being kind of an oblivious idiot. So, yeah, he is definitely an interesting character for sure. Right, and it's not, uh, and I will say I'm getting to the point in the story where certain names and wires are starting to cross and connect from different characters. Um, like, I'm starting to see sort of think where things are things intersect and I think that's cool um but I totally get some of the complaints are just like I it's there's no overarching thing like for even from its its influences and predecessors like Final Fantasy 6 you immediately kind of have this world building thing sort of tied there and Octopath Traveler you know you're starting to get into things in the late game about gods and uh, it, it into some real let me say some real Warcraft shit just, like, talking mm-hmm. about how the gods killed a god many years ago and sealed him in the planet or something. And that's kind of, I'm, it's it's not exactly that, um, just to kind of avoid spoilers. But it is just kind of really, not petty, but just, like, really highbrow stuff compared to just, like, well, Cyrus is looking for a book and his principal is mad at him. <laughs> you know, like, it starts, it yeah. starts very small and, like I said before, it builds up, so. I mean, like, that's kind of to like bounce back to the D&D thing is that it really does feel like a D&D story where each character kind of brings their own thing you you go along this journey you pick them up on the way and mm-hmm. then in the end because I know that there are some things in the end game that do kind of connect everything together in a more subtle way um, kind of like what you're saying with the gods and, and stuff like that it really does remind me of like almost every story I've encountered in tabletop role-playing games yeah that's interesting I, I've actually like kind of doing some research on on reception and stuff i've never seen anybody bring to the table of like it, it's evocative of tabletop and like dungeons and dragons things like that but you know the more you talk about it the more it's just like yeah that is actually like you'll recruit a character along the way or something sometimes or like you'll be at this from the outset have these kind of personal strifes and struggles and your own shit yet to deal with and it kind of loops all back together at the end i don't know i, I I'd never really thought of it that way that's very interesting and obviously intentional. This game screams like artistic intent, and like every ounce of it just seems very particular. And and like no, there's a reason the story is built this way. Like you might not like it, but it's not an accident that the story doesn't seem cohesive at first. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, um, but you said you were kind of headlong into the chapter threes. Um, have you been messing around with the job class system much at all? So yeah, I have, and. This game really does remind me a lot of Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced in a lot of ways, where every character, once you acquire certain items and certain aspects of the game that are unlocked to you, you can have every character be whichever class you want. And you kind of mix and match abilities from different classes, and you can use different weapons uh, depending on what class you are or subclass you are. And man, it really, this game really jazzed me up and really used the systems that I wanted it to. Yeah, 100% same in that regard like it, it immediately clicked to me like what i kind of want to do with my my characters and my team like well this character's better at magic so let's kind of make cyrus like a red mage kind of thing going on 
Because, you know, the white made the, the clerics still have, like, light magic and stuff like that. Just give certain, like, lean into other some character strengths. But then also going to left field, I made Ophelia a warrior. Um, because, like, it just makes her tankier and she has a lot of health and is able to heal a lot by herself. So I just thought it was a natural fit. Uh, turns, yeah. out, turns out a lot of people actually make Oberic into a cleric, which is actually much different. Even with, like, the same pairings, uh, the core character of who they are is much different. Oberic, for example, is the only character who can defend times two, which is just like a, re a much stronger like defensive option. Every mm -hmm. Everybody can defend and, and do, do fine, but Oberic's the only one who can tank up just like that. Yeah, I think that that's definitely a part of the metagame of it all, is like trying to see, oh yeah, like my friend used this option, but oh no, my other friend used this option. Min-max. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's definitely, definitely something interesting that that I like about RPGs that really gets me like into the genre. And I'm also doing this uh, thing at this point, like sort of mid late game stuff of uh, hearing, seeing like certain keywords for items pop up or seeing certain like, Oh, if I want to buy that, cause I have trust in my party pretty much at all times. Um, because Holy shit is uh, share BP really, really broken at times. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. I'm able to see that some characters have items so pretty much every time I head into a new town, uh, Tressa hits the bar and I tag uh, Therian in just to be like, let's go steal. Let's save Scrub and steal the shit out of some high tier weapons because that is, yep. I am very I much about did that. that too. It's just like, oh, Viper Dagger, you have like plus 300 attack and like 130 speed. Uh, you're going to my thief right now. <laughs> like, uh, and it's a three percent chance of uh, of like doing it, so I'm, I am just save scrubbing like five or six times. Like I don't, I invest the time. This is seventy thousand dollars. It's a lot of money, <laughs> dude. I it was to the point where I didn't even bother save scumming because then to me it took way too long. So I would just be like, all right, fine, I'll just pay off the town every single time I mess it up, <laughs> and I invested some. Some money and time into that. I'll tell Some you what. Some serious debt accrued from that for sure. Yeah, where I, I imagine it'd be funny if you end up spending more money restoring your re uh, reputation than it would actually cost to fucking buy the thing. Yeah, pretty much. Although with pretty much. there's a, there's a certain subclass of weapons called forbidden weapons that with Tressa you have to uh, you have to buy them. You can't steal them. Um, oh damn! Which is just like damn. That is that is rough. Thank God Tressa has like this weird passive where she can haggle. Um, because mm -hmm. that is that is expensive, and these possessed weapons are all like huge benefits, but also slight uh, like negatives. Like I'll just throw the sword as an example. Like like amazing stats on the sword, plus like three hundred something attack, and then I think it's a speed buff too. But uh, you have the chance to raise your enemy's attack, like a twenty five or twenty percent chance. Um, but I mean, you know, what does it matter if they have an attack if they're like dead two times over? Like, because most warriors are able to have, you know, invest a lot into single strike attacks. They're huge in one on one combat scenarios. Um, so I don't know. It's weird. It's I've also done the thing, uh, and just to kind of explain a little bit more about the subclass system, there are traits you learn that you can use in battle, and then there's the passive traits. And there's a shit ton of passive traits, and you can mix and match passive traits uh, between all eight classes, uh, which mm -hmm. leads to me just putting SP saver on everybody. It costs yep. a lot of job points, but goddamn, does half cost spells not seem mandatory to me? You know, like it's that, mm -hmm. and 
it's smart. It's like Pokemon, and a lot of this game actually takes some Pokemon, I'd argue, but in how you only have a certain amount of slots. You have four slots to use for these passives. Um, and some of them are more obviously great than others. Some are just like, uh, you can not run into battles as often, or uh, like if you have a 25% chance to take an extra turn, which, my word, that saves my ass sometimes. Yeah, um, it definitely is. That one more than anything else is like super useful. Or, and there's even ones, um, I forget if this is a passive or if this, I think it might be just a thing for Warrior. But uh, if a character's about to take lethal damage, they'll just jump into the hit and take it for you. Um, which is another reason why I have Ophelia just tank the fuck up. Because she's perfect. Mm-hmm. She's perfect for it. Yeah. So I, I'm a huge fan of the min-maxing going on. I, I'm only looking up a certain amount of things. Like, okay, like uh, where some items are. And when it comes to my team composition, I'm kind of just sticking with what I got. Because, yeah, I could just mm-hmm. go grind with Ulbrich for a while and get him leveled up, but I kind of like what I have going with Ophelia. And in a way that's evocative of something like D&D, I've kind of grown attached, you know? Mm-hmm, like I, for sure. I, I definitely have that attachment, too. I can't, You're not alone. I can't, like... Mm, I can't just sub out Tressa for, like, theory and then think that this is the same party. Like, there is a bit of an, like, like I guess, an attachment kind of going on, so... Um, but, man, we've, we've kind of only skimmed the actual gameplay, which I think, for my money, is one of my favorite parts of the game. Like, actually uh, sitting down and fighting a very difficult boss. Mm-hmm. I think you were telling earlier in our chat that it feels kind of like a logic puzzle. Like, can you expound on that a little bit? Sure, sure. Uh, so, when you're faced with a big boss, usually, like, in your Chapter 3s, Chapter 4s, or in some high-level dungeons, there's, like, dungeon bosses, uh, everybody has a pattern. You know, it's determined a lot by your character's innate speeds, what order they'll go in, and what the enemy speed is, and what order things are going to occur. And how the battle system works is that every enemy has a certain set of weaknesses. Um, So you have to kind of uh, take that into account when you're sort of building your team. Like, uh, I I want my mage to kind of double up on other elements just because he's way more well-rounded, and he's able to break systems. We haven't even talked about breaks which is like the cornerstone of gameplay here, which is what I kind of think is the logic puzzle of it. Um, you hit an opponent with enough of what they're weak to, and they break, and they're not able to do anything for the next turn, and they take double damage, a bunch of stuff. It, you are super incentivized to break people. Um, so the logic puzzle nature of it is just that, like, you have to find out, you know, that uh, it. If I if this order is going to lead me to my goal, which is breaking the opponent and get some massive damage in, I'm thinking literally three or four turns ahead because well I need to put a bunch of BP into uh, into Cyrus so he can channel his ultimate attack, which makes all of his AOE attacks uh, like centralized on one unit because I'm fighting one big unit. Um, the only way I could do that is if this character helps this character in some way. Like I am, it is. I'm thinking multiple turns ahead, and I have to re-break them by the time I have to pull all of it off. Otherwise, it's not going to be... I. It is like min-maxing and figuring out how it works is part of the fun for me. There's a char- There's a boss character. I'm not going to tell you who's, but uh, they're weak to everything. But every time you break them and they come back, they're, uh, they only have like three slots for what they're weak against. So they're only weak to three things at a time. So it randomizes every time. So you don't mm-hmm. know what they're weak to. And and if you just pump a bunch of points into Cyrus being like, analyze, let me figure out what you're weak to. And then she flips. 
suddenly you don't know what she's weak to anymore. And it's it, yeah. it, starting out, I'm just like, holy shit, what a, this is such a game of chance at, up front. Like, mm-hmm. there's no core thing she's weak to. You have to figure it out. So, like, mm-hmm. just kind of deconstructing a boss like that I find very fun. And I'm stuck on a boss right now, and it's fun to be stuck on this boss. Because, like, uh, that's been my trend for these late uh, game ones, is that, you know, I'll wipe, and I know what I did wrong so I can account for it next time. And, you know, I haven't wiped to a boss more than three times. That's awesome. It's, so. Yeah, like, it really is, like, trial and trial and error every once in a while where you get these bosses that kind of break the normal mechanics of the game. And it's like up to you to kind of figure it out and figure out kind of under the clock if you want to make sure, or you want to see how quickly you can figure out this sort of mechanic. Exactly. And they, they, they encourage you to do it in your own way. Like the way I wanted to tackle somebody who was more melee focused is, all right, well, I'm going to get one of my characters to recruit somebody. Like you, uh, I think Ophelia and um, uh, Primrose can recruit people. So I'm going to recruit a guy who gives us all defense buffs, which are actually pretty plentiful. It's like a low-level buff or something. Um, just enough to kind of squeeze in some some defense. That's like one area I'm a little lacking in besides uh, besides Ophelia is the defense. So like all I had to do was find somebody who's good at that. And, you know, I know what I'm kind of anticipating now so I can properly take on the boss. It's it's It is a lot of fun. It definitely takes from your Pokemons, and I'd even say Personas, because there are, like, you can surprise your foe or be surprised by your foe, which I thought was very invocative, invocative, evocative Mm -hmm. of Evocative, invocative, Uh, provocative, no, um, (laughs) and also... Bowser Bowser Peach definitely is provocative. Provocative, very... um, (laughs) And another thing that reminded me so much of Persona is that there are these uh, loot rats and loot cats and these giant things that are just yep. basically the, the treasure hands from Persona. And I'm like, you son yep. of a bitch, I can't get you. I have to... Uh, I, I even min-maxed that where it's just like, okay, I know that items never miss, so I'm going to hoard these items, like uh, these damage items, you know, the dam- the item spells, um, mm-hmm. so that I can just take these fuckers out the second I see them. Mm-hmm. There was one... Yeah, they give you, I think, a, uh, a set amount of damage as opposed to like... Um, dividing by a multiplier or some sort of uh, defense. Right, bonus. they have to hit this number, otherwise they're going to run. Which is just like, you son of a bitch. Like, this is all for naught. I, I've had scenarios where it's just like, oh, I got two and one? Like, this is a jackpot, because all the items hit all enemies. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if um, items, like, are items set damage? like, Or is that dependent on your stats as well? I, that's, I think it's set. Or I think it's a, it's I, I don't know. That, That's that the thing is, is there's so many layered systems in this game is that it's kind of hard to determine like, oh yeah, this system is indefinitely this way. And this there, is there have been, there have way. been a few scenarios where I'm just like, okay, like this rule dictates that this should be the case, but is it like, is it set in stone? Like, uh, does it cancel? Does it cancel out this rule? Is this rule superseding this one or whatever? Yeah. Because even, even when you put, when you put items on your characters and you get like, oh, this dagger is giving me plus 300 attack. I think that's only attack for that dagger. Your character's not innately throwing out punches that are that strong. It's, like, unique mm-hmm. to the item. But that's confusing because there's moves that are like, well, this move's damage is dependent on your speed. Do you mean the speed of me with my dagger, or do you mean the speed of me in general? Because that's, like, two very different things. So, yeah. I mean... But I think that's the beauty of the game, is that it really is good about, like, 
giving you all these stats and data to chew on. But if you don't really want to deal with those sort of things, you can kind of just enjoy the game for what it is. You can definitely mash your way through a lot of stuff. Like I've, uh, I've totally circumvented the the break system and just like you know what, I'm putting all my my chips on Ophelia and she's gonna do level slash and just level the field. Like that's it. You know, like <laughs> I gotta get going. You know, or Cyrus, same thing. Like he has the he has the um, just a shit ton of great AOE. So I'm just plowing through everybody just to get through this cave. Um, although I think it's a little unfair that if you fail to run away, that everybody else falls on their ass and slips. Like you can't. You can't give me a few more options to run away. <laughs> yeah, that is a little weird. Like I know in um, in Pokemon they give you um, a specific item, the Poke Doll, that allows you to run away. Right. I wish that there was a little bit more mechanics behind that sort of thing. Or even like a, a character trait, kind of like Pokemon, use teleport. You know, like just give mm -hmm. somebody an evasion thing. I know that there's like a passive you can put on somebody that's like it increases your chances for running away. Um, and that, mm -hmm. that usually works, but it's not a guarantee. There's a lot of things left up to chance in this game. You know, like, Hanit has one of my favorite uh, character traits, so she can capture monsters. Um, but That's super cool, yeah. It's, it's very XCOM-y, or it's just like, well, it's 92%, and you still failed. And I'm like, you, that, mm, you mother... Just, just capture the damn frog? Ugh. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, man, I'll I never, I'll never forget when they had Cyrus by himself, like, level 6... And I didn't read the prompt on the bottom left that said, Warning, this forest is full of level 15 creatures. And then, like, mm -hmm. four fucking frogs uh, run at me at once. And I'm like, oh, shit. This, like, uh -oh. I'm going to get my shit wrecked by the Flatlands Froggins, which... <laughs> oh, God. There's uh, there's actually a lot of... A lot of enemy variety. And a lot of them are... There's a bunch of recolors and a bunch of other, like... Flatlands Frog in one, two, three, four, that rank, but there's also just a huge variety of different monsters, which I find very nice, very change of pace. Because, mm -hmm. like, um, you'll know if they're new monsters or not because uh, you'll have a bunch of question marks where the weaknesses are. So I've had that happen many times where it's like, I thought I fought you, but not really, and you have completely different weaknesses than your predecessor. So, yeah, sure. They definitely have, they definitely have like, a, the normal RPG fair where it's like, oh, yeah, here's... A frog. Here's a frog with armor. Here's a frog with fire armor. Here's a frog with X Y Z. Here's here's a frog that looks like Super Shredder. Here's a frog that looks like Super Shredder with like Predator mask and, and gauntlets on him. Yeah. So it is definitely an interesting uh, war of escalation there. And I do like little touches, like well, like the animals and beasts. Uh, Hannah can actually recruit, but if you're if it's a dude, you can't just do that. Like you can't just capture a man, uh, a, a well. random pirate soldier dude. That's uh, Ophelia's yeah. That job. is always funny. Yeah, that is always funny. The like cognitive dissonance where it's like time to capture. It's like capture failed. You cannot capture humans. I'm like it's a net. It yeah. I, I mean, I could them. physically capture. I've I've captured like the, uh, a sub boss in a dungeon that's like a ten star ranking. You know, giant bear. You're telling me I can't take over this one this 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 pirate. <laughs> I've captured the god of winter, and I can't just throw a net on this pirate guy who is obviously intoxicated. It, I so mean, kind of pretty, a pretty obviously intoxicated. Yeah, but, but that's kind of what this game is. It's like systems on systems on systems. And maybe the a, systems aren't always logical, but they are they are deep. There's, there's a lot of systems, but I kind of thought they did a pretty good job of opening it up. Um, you know, they didn't introduce job systems and stuff until you... you, you as the flow of the game, you usually have all four of your characters before you, you uh, wind up at shrines that give you those uh, different abilities and whatnot. Like, and 
also conveniently, um, those shrines are generally located where close to where you found your original character. So, like, for Cyrus, mm. for instance, the uh, subclass of the Scholar is found just outside of Atlas Dam, uh, the city he's from. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, a lot of deliberate things with the map, and that's one of my hugest gripes of the game, is that the map fucking sucks. Not because of the mm-hmm. map's laid out poorly, but because your cursor doesn't follow you on the map, so you don't know where you are on the map. You have to go by this foggy compass that is more like a radar than anything. That like, mm-hmm. oh, this here's a little arrow that points you in a direction, and I'm like, this this isn't this isn't a map. Like you're give, this is a map in like an old world sense. Like I don't really know where I. It feels like a map you would actually have in like the 1800s, looking through the, the you know, to the west coast. Like how am I how am I possibly supposed to do this? Mm-hmm. So. It kind of reminds me of uh, people saying that the Pokemon. I think it was not black and white. But uh, the Pokemon that was supposed to be set in America. Oh, that was... Uh, I think that was black and white. Okay, so then, yeah. So they, they said that black and white wasn't um, wasn't very good... Didn't have a very good map because of the circular nature of it. And circular maps kind of inherently are not very interactive or intriguing. Because you know... It's going to loop Exactly where it's going to... Yeah, you know where it's going to start. You know where it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like in the fir- in Red and Blue... You know, the map was kind of just a big circle. Uh, and I can totally understand where people would be a little bit frustrated based off of that because not really surprising when you know exactly where it's going to finish. Yeah, and I, I think it just... I, the the compass radar thing on top of the map is what made me kind of frustrated because it's just like, all right, you, you've, this thing is telling me where vaguely to go, but I don't know for sure this is where it's going to head. And I... Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to go to a specific town because if you haven't been to the town, the map isn't even filled in. Um, mm-hmm. Like you have to, in early in the game when you get to these chapter two markers, they're like huge, far flung across the entire map. Um, like it's it's kind of jarring. I don't know. Like I, I I've I've warmed up to it at this point, but it's just one of those things that kept nagging at me. Like where am I supposed to go again? Like this map is not doing me any favors and tell me like where exactly I need to go. But mm-hmm. I, I can see the Pokemonness of it. Like, it doesn't, it's not a real-time map, like an open-world kind of game. It is more like a Pokemon map where you're in this town, you're on this route. Like, this literally may as well be called, like, Route 1, Route 2, whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is very much an RPG, right? So, like, right. I feel like part of me is, like, these complaints are like, man, I wish that this RPG that is supposed to be aping off of older ideas would incorporate more new ideas. <laughs> but I can't really get that angry at the game kind of sticking to its initial design conceit, meaning that it's trying to like copy and homage these older games. It's for sure like uh, spelling out that this is a huge kind of SNES, like late SNES era RPG for sure. And I think yeah. it succeeds very well at being one of those, but also like with a, a nice modern coat of paint. I, I, it's it's just enrapturing just to keep playing the game. Like I I haven't really felt the need to to stop. You know, there's points where I thought, like, okay, I'm beating my head against this boss. I'm going to take a breather. But those breathers aren't days or weeks. Those breathers are hours. And it's like, all right, time to tackle this guy. Time to wrap up this story. Um, so it, it's funny that you said you were kind of leveling out at the le- like everybody's chapter threes. I've done, I'd say, three character chapter fours. Some of my characters have only mm-hmm. done their chapter ones. So it's like a weird balancing oh, act. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so like... Yeah. Uh, like I said, I have my core four, and I'm pretty attached. So by the time mm. I have to do, like, Olberic's, like, chapter 
two, three, maybe even four. I'm definitely going to have him be the most protected, like, precious little boy. Like, I'm going to give him Tressa's, like, um, what is it, uh, like, dodge attack or whatever, where she, or you can just avoid physical damage for four turns or whatever. So, so, mm-hmm. so I guess just, just, just mop the floor with the, the, his bosses, so... Because actually, I feel like you and I play this game completely differently. Because I played it very much like Pokemon, where these are my six Pokemon or my eight Pokemon. I need to have them at a certain level, and I need to give them all a certain amount of attention. So right. I went in like, all right, one, 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 two, 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 two. Uh, even though I prefer certain members in my party over others, like I still went in that kind of sequential order. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you just did, you just did the damn thing. No, nah, man, I did what I do. Ironically enough, in Pokemon, like I have like three Pokemon I really like. Level up real good. I have, a, and then I have a fucking Mankey that's level level one that's in my team because if I send him in, I can heal my other guy with a potion. <laughs> Just uh, be the sacrificial lamb and be really cruel about it. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, for the first couple of chapters, I did it in that sequential kind of order. Like I did everybody's chapter ones, did everybody's chapter twos. But then when my main team started getting settled in, I focused on them and them alone. And I will circle back to those old guys, but. I'll uh, I'll be able to kind of mop the floor with their bosses and whatnot. It won't be that much of a drain. It'll be pretty. I mean, their chapter four bosses will still be a pain, I'm sure, because uh, it'll take time for those characters to properly level up. But yeah, even then, it shouldn't take too too long. As long as I keep my core, there, there's like a, a core three that are like cycling damage dealers. You know, clear the field as quick as possible, kind of thing. And it always involves mm. Cyrus and Tressa, so. Pro- yeah, probably uh, Cyrus is broken. I think if you started with Cyrus, then you definitely had an easier time than most. I yeah, like I said earlier, he has the best sort of range when it comes to exploiting weaknesses. On top of being able to analyze what the weaknesses are, um, so yeah, he from the start is just able to do some do some wild shit. Let's say hmm. I definitely started out on easier mode. I can't imagine starting with like Tressa as your first. That sounds difficult. <laughs> I mean, she was my second, so it was definitely... I was definitely getting a little bit of a weird... I don't know. Like, a weird gameplay moment every once in a while where I was like, oh, no, Cyrus has no PP or whatever, or no magic. Uh, what do I do? What do I have to do about to fix this? Yeah. Although, early on, I don't know why, I, I might have had... When I first was, like, monkeying around with subclasses, I think Cyrus might have been um, a cleric, or either a cleric or... Or the merchant, but I was able to uh, recover. No, it was an item. It was like a necklace. I was able to recover uh, SP every turn. So Cyrus is just like <laughs> he—he pretty much never ran out of SP. So it, it's mm-hmm. it's great that my huge, you know, black red mage DPS is just not able to deplete on magic. I can focus the magic restoration on people like Ophelia because she's doing so much healing and and defense work. She kind of needs it more. So it's yeah, I. I'm a huge fan of how personalized this game can be for people in a way that's, you know, representative of something like Pokemon, but also like an old school, like Final Fantasy Tactics or, or even, even older, like, you know, Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, as we said earlier, but it's a lot more personalized, I'd say. It's really interesting how personalized, like, obviously there's objective, like, this is the best comp, team comp in Octopath Traveler, bar none, but Sometimes I don't want to do that. Sometimes I just want to kind of carve my own path, and that's really, really cool that this game does that. So, yeah, I think that it definitely does feel like a, a journey. I guess you know what I mean. Like, like you said, carving your own path. It definitely does feel like you can 
mix and match and do things your own way, have these own your own class ideas and class combinations. And I think that it really does give you, I know we were talking earlier about like having it be full of systems. Mm-hmm. It gives you a bunch of rigidity and like system-based restrictions, but it also kind of allows you that freedom to, to kind of like find your own path and do your own thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's one of my favorite quirks of the game that I don't feel like even a lot of contemporary RPGs really do that kind of openness it, it, it it's pretty refreshing I don't know um, but is there anything uh, particularly like you're about what like 45 40 hours into the game right mm-hmm. around that yeah. ballpark is there anything that like I think obviously they're going to do a sequel to this game um, uh, it's pretty clear by like 2021 we're going to see an Octopath Traveler 2 but uh, are there any shortcomings from this game that you'd want to see like rectified in the sequel? I know uh, I had some some complaints earlier that that kind of makes sense in a certain light, but is there anything that you want to see short up? Um, like would you want them to go with know. a different I, I, different cast? Maybe I, obviously they probably go with a different cast. I mean, yeah, I, I would love the whole. I mean, my favorite thing in RPGs is like when you have the sequel, like for example with Pokemon Gold, and then you see characters from Pokemon Red that like are older. God. Yeah, that'd be great. The application of yeah, the application of time to RPG characters definitely does make them like the world feel lived in. So I would love to like have them be maybe secret bosses or something, or like they're your mentors in the game or something along those lines. Um, I could definitely see that, but I think the only thing that I want to see would be the characters have more interactions. That's pretty much it, mm-hmm. um, because the world is beautiful to look at. Um, the you can the way you navigate it is pretty cool. You can fast travel or whatever. It really scratches that mechanical itch that a lot of uh, a lot of old school RPGs had. Um, the systems are deep but approachable. Um, yeah, like that's my only real complaint, to be honest. Maybe maybe in Noctopath Traveler or whatever, <laughs> uh, the next one they up the graphics even more. So like it was from 16-bit with like the the light rays or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe the next one is like even more details of the sprites. You know, maybe that's like one way I could think of it. Uh, for, I thought you were going to pivot that into like, make it look like Final Fantasy seven, like have just 2d backgrounds and fucking ugly ass polygons. I mean, I mean, you laugh at that, but like, that's, that's kind of what they did for bravely default. Like yeah. if you look at the graphics of that, it kind of looks like it is kind of like that. Yeah, but I don't know. I I'm kind of so used to what Octopath has going for it that I don't really want to see Tressa in some like bulky, blocky, fucking PS One looking art style. I don't know, but it would be great to see like you you run into like your third town or whatever, and you know your your quest involves you running into Tressa, who's like a young mother or something, like a mother of two, uh, trying to re- just have a a merchant shop or. or or she's a badass, like a pirate queen or oh, something. Oh, God, that'd be even better. Like, risky boots from fucking Shantae. Oh, God. A pirate queen. I mean, I mean wouldn't it make sense? Because, like, that would be very much full circle where she's attacked by a pirate in the beginning and, like, she's saved by a pirate in the beginning of she the is of a pirate. Traveler. So that her, the very last thing is you hear stories of this, this, like, horrifying female pirate captain and then you meet her and it's like, hi, guys, it's me. And everyone's like, what? God, and she, and I really like a lot, the abilities that these characters have really opens up. Uh, we haven't even talked about, like, JP is, like, the job point system, which you put into characters to unlock some of their more, like, powerful abilities. Uh, Tressus is just tied, intrinsically tied with money. Like, the the more money you put in, mm-hmm. uh, the more powerful and more, um, like, more overall and better characters you can recruit. Like, Tressa can just have this thing where she'll spend money and recruit 
here's a low level grunt. He, he's going to do like a light sword attack across everybody, which is generally good for proccing breaks, actually, but um, and give you like a light buff to the end where it's like, here's a, a roving band of veteran soldiers that's going to just like beat the shit out of this boss for $30,000. And you, you generally like want to pump in your, uh, your BP to like make it so that it's just max damage. And, Oh God, I love, I love these late game abilities pretty much that these, all these characters tend to have. And their last ability they learned in the, in the class tends to be evoking some kind of God, which they vaguely allude to, uh, throughout the game of like these gods kind of represent different elements and whatnot. Um, and some of them are like, more situational and and makes sense like oh this you can make all your defensive spells affect everybody and not just one character or they can be just like here's a really 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 strong sword strike it costs 50 yeah one is like i summon jesus the other person is like i hit i hit you really really hard (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and i I like the variety and the kind of uh creativity of that and 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 the stuff of just like that's a great idea to make a weaker aoe attack sort of condense into a strong targeted attack like just conceptually i'm like that's really cool um god cyrus is broken <laughs> yeah he has it from in and when you pair him with like cleric or something you can just make all your stuff trigger twice so it's just like all right i'll do like twenty thousand damage that's why they have you're limited to nine 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 damage unless you have uh the warrior trait that lets you go to nine 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 damage Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just funny to me that they don't, they don't let you blow your collective load like that hard unless you fucking like use one of your move slots for it. So mm-hmm. they, re- they really make you put the time in. Right. Oh God. And there's still, I feel like we still have to touch on like the aesthetic of the game overall, like how you were saying earlier, it evokes sort of like a late SNES with the, the, the lighting and the shading and how... You have these sprites in this 3D world that looks kind of like a, a shoebox diorama, kind of. Like this mm-hmm. this uh, pseudo 3D look that is, like the, I'd say, one of the most original art styles uh, in pretty much video games. I guess you could make a point for something like Paper Mario that, that was like the stage play that had that sort of three-dimensionality to it. But like this plays in more to the actual world and not some kind of like gameplay gimmick. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful game. Lo- me too. I'm, I'm definitely a huge fan of it. The design of it is definitely something that drew me in when I first started to play it. And um, and it's uh, definitely highlighted by a lot of the sprites. You know, obviously the variety of enemies have a variety of sprites, but all these boss characters have these huge, like dozens of pixels tall, dozens of pixels wide, like these giant sprites that look freaking gorgeous. I just love. I I really am a huge fan of like the the boss level design, not just the the regular just goons design. So, um, and yeah, like that's definitely my my favorite part of one of my favorite parts of the game is just going from place to place. And man, does the music help sell every little nook and cranny of the game you're in, from battle themes to character themes to town themes. Like this game is stacked to the gills with fantastic music. Like it is just really, really, really good music. I don't know. Like I, I'm not. I don't have a lot of you know education background in music theory or anything. But just the way that certain areas of the world are 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 scored and designed, it's just like everything on the cliff sides has this weird, vague allusions to Irish roots and like you know there's there's accordions and bagpipes and shit going around. This 
the still snow is very like subtle hints of Christmas time and like very light breezy kind of music. I don't know. I I love the soundtrack. Me too. I'm definitely a huge fan of it. I'm definitely also not a very musical person. So when whenever I put my opinion out there, like oh yeah, the music is really good, I'm always like, I hope that I know what I'm talking about. Here. <laughs> I mean, there is a bit of a, a there's a slight objectivism just to like how vary the compositions are you know like, like i was saying it's just like one area can be this the other can be that uh the battle themes are very just get your blood going like they want you to fight is it definitely very good fight music um i don't know the songs just definitely get stuck in my head even the character themes like it i don't care for alfin that much at all but his theme is just just weirdly jazzy and chill enough for me to be like yeah i can fuck with this like i'll yeah i'll, I'll put i'll Pass me the aux cord. I'll play this in my car. Like, yeah, let's jam out the... What you about to play? And then he just puts on the Octopath Traveler Rockin' Alfin's theme. You know, Alfin. The the sickly you know him. apothecary. Which I didn't even know what the fuck apothecary was. I didn't know he was supposed to be like a support class at all. Because I see Amputate mm-hmm. and I'm just like, okay, he's like a DPS with his axe. But he's like a weird hybrid, actually. It's hard for me to pinpoint the fuck Alfin actually is. So... But yeah, I can't, like, I really, really like where they're going with this game. I can't wait for the sequel that I know is definitely happening. I feel like we'd get, like, a Bravely Default 3 first, um, mm-hmm. just in terms of, because this on is... On Switch? On Switch. Oh, yeah. On Switch. I'd say they'll probably, they'll probably do an, uh, another Bravely game, um, and then do another Octopath shortly after, which is why I was saying, like, 2021, 2022, like... It is a small-ish team, you know. Like they, they. I don't think they were working too hard on the the bravely untitled bravely default three um, mm-hmm. until like this was kind of wrapped. Although this could have been wrapped a while ago. I'm not like I, I. I don't know it. Obviously, don't have any insider knowledge about how the machinations of a small Square Enix team work. But I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. it's I can't wait to see where this series goes. I definitely think it's the start of something pretty new and great. Now, it did pretty phenomenally well. These, these, uh, this and the Bradley series uh, tend to catch Great Enix off guard for some reason. It's almost like people like their old old games. You know, go fucking figure. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, as they remaster everything. As they remaster everything and make a third sequel to Tomb Raider, which you know, whatever. I mean, that's fine that that happened, but it's also one of those things of just like you kind of know what you're getting. But Octopath seemed like a huge, huge risk. People, I, I, I was watching. I think when the Switch came out, the uh, I don't know if it was Colin and Greg live or uh, some kind of Gamescast thing. Of people were just mocking Octopath Traveler out the gate just because it had kind of a, a silly name and kind of it. It felt a little like it's it, like the smell of its own farts kind of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, damn man, like that, the game definitely turned it around. I. Definitely. I'm a huge... I can't wait to see how this game wraps up. Because, like, I've grown attached to these characters in such a way where when the storylines finally do interact fully, it's going to feel, like, worth the wait in such a a great kind of way. Like you were saying, again, Dungeons & Dragons. You know, like, the combination Mm -hmm. of your individual stories that lead to what I assume is going to be some kind of fallen god out for revenge kind of thing. For sure. I'm excited to see how it ends, too, but... I'm kind of sad to see it go, though. Yeah, I, I am going to be bittersweet when I finish that, which is why I'll probably focus on my lesser characters for a while, just so like I can <laughs> I can make it a 90-hour game and not a 55-hour uh, game or whatever. So yeah. and it's, it's, it's sad to see those very good characters go. Exactly, exactly. 
Um, and there's still so much for me to explore. Like, the, I was talking about those, like, forbidden weapons or whatever from earlier, but there's also, like, hidden classes, like, late game master classes that, mm-hmm. that are, like, harder than all the bosses in the game already, um, but are, like, just super late game powerful versions of what you have, which I'm just like, ah, that makes me so excited. I can't wait to break this mm-hmm. character. Like, oh, the sorcerer. I guess I'm just going to pump everything I have into... I'm pumping a lot this episode. I've said that a lot. Um, hmm. I'm going to just put a lot of different points into, like, reflecting magic because I can do that now. So, mm-hmm. which, when I did that for the first time, when I realized reflect didn't just mean you block it. No, you take the damage and apply it to the enemy, too. Which I'm just like, oh, that is so awesome. I can't believe that worked. Um, but it, it is, is for sure a it, good feeling. It letter, literally says reflect magic, so I don't know why. That it, I, it's not just block magic. So, hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, definitely really fun. Um, but is there, kind of wrapping up, any kind of final thoughts on on Octobeth? Would you definitely, like, when if somebody's looking for like a meaty kind of old-school RPG, uh, I know you're going to say you would recommend this game, but like, would you definitely kind of just... Even to a casual, more, more casual player, would you want to recommend this game? Um, it depends on how casual, I guess. Because people always come to me and ask me for, like, RPG and, uh, like, fighting game and, like, Monster Hunter adjacent games to play. And a lot of times people that ask me are, like, very much not deep, deep, deep into the genre. And I'm always worried that when I give the recommendation, the hard yes, the hard sell, that people are like, oh, man, this game is, like, 100 hours long. It's, like, homework. You know, mm, right. Um, so I would say if you're kind of in a lull in your backlog or if you have a lot of free time or if you have a flight coming up, I would say check this game out for sure. It's definitely worth your time. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to say is it it definitely is a game that demands your attention. It's not a game that you can kind of just like put on and just keep on clicking A. Um, and it definitely requires a little bit of grinding if you're into that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, no, I don't know. It, it's I would give it a tepid yes, and I would have to know who the person was. Uh, but I personally love it, and if, if I met other RPG fans out in the wild that hadn't played it, then I would definitely say yes, 100% yes. Right, yeah. I, it, it's kind of the same thing for me. Like, it, it definitely is person-by-person basis. Uh, one of my friends who's, like, super into RPGs, like, he, he tends to buy games, not play them for a few months, and then gets really, really into them. Because... Uh, I was talking about Xenoblade earlier. He did that with Xenoblade Chronicles 2. He bought that game, I think, last year and didn't get around to it until, I think, um, I want to say July. And now he's like 180 hours in. I'm just like, man, Jeez. I can't wait until, you know, like, and, be, and now they have like the Torna, like they have a DLC expansion now. So he's going to be in, he's in for the long haul. But I, I told him that Octopath, you know, Octopath is keeping his seat warm. Like it's going to be there. It's going to be ready for mm-hmm. you because he was... He was the hugest proponent of this game when everybody else was just kind of like, I don't know, man. It looks like it looks like an old school RPG, but what? How good could that really be? And meanwhile, I'm mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm looking back at myself then. And I'm just like, you idiot! This game is this game is like a uh, awesome blend of like Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger, Pokemon, and Persona. Like it's everything in one kind of. Mm-hmm. So it's everything that you would want. Pretty much like it. You know, talking to you has kind of sort of alleviated my issues I have with the game in, in terms of, like, narrative and, and progression and things like that. So I'd be hard-pressed not to have this in, like, my own personal Game of the Year discussions. Uh, it's... God, it is just great. It, it makes me want to go back to the Bravely series, which I kind of fell off of. Not for similar reasons, but just because it was just, I think, a time and place issue. But we shall see. I definitely want to kind of keep it locked for the third... Whatever the third Bravely game is, I... 
I it'll probably look closer to like a PS2 game if I had to imagine, mm-hmm. in terms of like visual fidelity. Um, but yeah, that's kind of long and short of Octopath Traveler. Is there a certain song you want to go out on? Just one that uh, really sticks out to you. I want. Oh, the the song from the game. I thought it was just you and I were gonna make a song right now, and it would just be me saying Bowsette <laughs> over and over and over again, and that would. I be mean, the we beat. can go with that. Um, you know, we can get somebody to remix it and get someone in the studio. Definitely. Jesus. Um, no, I would say just the main theme that you get on the title screen is probably my favorite out of all of them. It does stir a little like adventure, kind of like an adventure starting uh, vibe for me as well. So yeah, definitely gonna recommend that one. So uh, you can find all the PNB shows on pnbcast.com and all of the PNB shows are supported by you lovely, lovely patrons at patreon.com slash PNB. Um, it funded this show. It funded Level Selected. Funded Full Metal Optimists. Uh, and That's a great name. Which, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And uh, it's going to fund any and all other future projects. We have a tabletop, uh, a monthly tabletop podcast after Alpha, um, which is... Oh, That's another good name. Is, you guys are good at making names. Damn. Oh, God, yeah. And we got, we got one of my, one of my uh, co-hosts has, like, a friend who's really good at, like, artwork design. And I'm just like... If you could have had this like years ago, this would have been flawless. But hey, like it it looks professional, and I'm like super impressed by all the logo work. So I'm in a very happy place with my podcast. If you couldn't tell, so uh, be mm-hmm. sure to keep it uh, on Patreon.com/pnb for all the PNB updates you could ever want and more. Um, for myself and for Ian, have a good one.